Hello and welcome back to GG Weekend, watch kindly sponsored by Bet UK, where we are on to day two of Royal Ascot 2022. So we will crack on with the action because we begin with the group two Queen Mary for the two-year-old fillies over five furlongs at 2.30. An open race, as you can imagine, with plenty of unknowns about these fillies. So, Andrew, would you like to kick us off with day two, please? Not really. Um, but oh, I'm, great. I'm, I'm guessing girl is going to have to. So, uh, yeah, again, no strong opinion here. Um, Porta Fortuna was half interesting for um, Dunnaker O'Brien, having a sort of, it come, comes out best on the Racing Post top speed and postmark um, figures, but it's around about 12 to 1. And at the moment, um, Ed Walker's horses, you know, second time out, uh, are doing extremely well. And um, he, he's got Kosai Glory here. He's around about 100 to 1, I think. Uh, sorry, Kosai Vision, a uh, daughter of Kosai Glory, as the name suggests. And um, you know, she ran respectably enough on the turf at Lingfield on her debut. Um, she, wa she was, you know, sort of reasonably well positioned, you know, more towards the stand side rail, but ran incredibly green and uh, you know, missed the break and um, you know, did her best work at the finish. I just thought it's not impossible, given the form of the yard at the moment, particularly with horses running on a second start, that um, Kotai Vision might run some sort of race at a huge price here. So I'll go, I'll go with her. Okay, so going for 100 to 1, I can currently see for Kosai Vision, then Ed Walker's charge in here. But Daryl, was there anything else that took your eye more so? Yeah, Beautiful Diamond, I think, wins this. I think she's bloody good, this horse. Um, not on a performance for me, it was just eye-popping. Um, the time was okay, but she just was doing nothing. Like, it was so effortless. And the fact that Carl Burke was saying um, that they've not been able to really, like, they've been training there with the handbrake on, and, like, she's not doing anything. She'll improve a ton for that, and I just... Jesus, you know when sometimes you just see a performance and you just, you know, like last year, right, when Perfect Power won, you just see a performance, don't you? And you, the form, you don't, the form might not be there, the time figure might not be there, but you just see it, see a whole way a horse wins, and you just think, just brought through all the years of experience of watching these horses, you just think, Jesus, that's a good horse. Yeah. And then that's the case. That's that's the case for a beautiful diamond. It's not a strong one, but. It, this is a good horse. This is a really good horse, I think, and. um I'm really looking forward to seeing her. So, yeah, I'm with her. Well, uh, she is 11 to 2, currently beautiful diamond, but I totally agree with you. I love those types of horses where, like you say, we can all talk about facts, figures, um, all the data, everything to back up a horse's performance, but sometimes visual impression just takes precedence. And when it yeah. doesn't happen all that often, which it doesn't really, does it happen all that often? So when it does, I feel like you should trust your guts with certain horses and Beautiful Diamond being that for another two-year-old, hopefully to go in for Carl Burke. Now we have Phillies to the four again in race two. This is a Kensington Palace Phillies handicap, a 0 105 handicap for four-year-olds and over, over a mile at 3.05. Another wide open contest, six to one the field with uh Tamarama heading the way. Daryl, what is the play? Uh take on Tamarama, that's for mm -hmm. sure. Um she do you know what I tipped this marksman queen the other day and, and hadn't had a winner for ages. And this marksman queen should have won this, mm -hmm. like hands down. She was by far the best horse. So put her in the track because next time she runs, she's an absolute good thing. But Tamarama just dictated the entire race under Frankie the tour it was just completely left alone didn't quicken when he asked her the quicker just carried on plod, plod, plodded on Marsman Quick couldn't get out of a gap and once she picked up flew home to try and catch her and was beating three quarters of a length but I don't think that that was an overly strong race in terms of 
in the context of this one. So I'm surprised she's favourite. It's got to be the Frankie Dottori factor here because I can't really see too much form that suggests she's well ahead of a mark of a 90. Um, anyway, uh, I was looking at uh, one morning who me and Andrew both looked at, at Scott's um, on our seasonal debut. It was soft ground that day. I don't think she enjoyed it. She reared coming out of the stall. She lost a few lengths, but she stuck to the task really well down the outside on the uh, fairly tender handling if you like and she was closest at the finish beating two lengths i thought that was a really really good run she's very very inexperienced she's only had the four runs she's off a mark of 82 she ran an eye-catching race at kempton behind uh laurel who actually dictated that race that race actually didn't even get a time for him because it was so slowly run but she was at the rear of the field and she came home really strongly sorry that's my alarm to say do this podcast oh it's good to let you know <laughs> she um she came out really strongly she's just progressive i just she's a sister to a, a mile six winner um yeah. and i just wonder if this is on the sharp side for her but 82 definitely underestimates her so at 16 to 1 in a wide open race i'd probably take a chance on her and the other interesting one for me was roger veron's mukadama who's coming into a handicap after running listed in group company and dropping into a handicap of 99, coming back from a mile and a half down to, or she's been running over a mile and a quarter the last twice, but down to a mile. I think she, she's she got the speed for a mile and the balance of her form is it far outweighs anything that any of these have achieved. And this could just be the opportunity for her to, to get her head in front. And um, Jim Crowley takes a ride, I'm assuming. 25 to 1. I think Mukadama could be a big, big player back down in grade. 25 to 1, like you say, Mukadama for Roger Berry and Jim Crowley. The other horse you mentioned, though, one morning, Michael Bell, Safi Osborne. And hopefully, we'll get to see another good interview with Lady Bamford. She just seems a great character, doesn't she? So that would be fantastic if one morning can go in again here, then. Uh, Andrew. Yeah, the Kenny P was a carnage race last year um, because the, the, the earlier races suggested you wanted to be drawn low because by the time of this one the jockeys got into their heads that you had to be prominent towards the far side they went up too quick they've set it up for the closers out wide you know the first three were drawn 17 22 18 40 to 1 twice and 22 to 1 so yeah it comes with comes with a health warning based on what we saw last year um yeah one morning as daryl said was on my radar as was the second from that race um far too shy now they've basically gone too hard and um the winner the third the fourth have all come from off the pace i thought it was a huge effort by far too shy to finish second uh, obviously very different ground probably unless the forecast rain does arrive in sufficient quantities on tuesday morning um but yeah sort of far too shy i think jamie spencer's been booked so that suggests that they're not going to be prominent this time they're going to come from off the pace um the other one i thought might run um well is um where are we call a uh, bell haven um sorry that's um yeah so uh Fortune Shine won that race with Bell Haven who was second in that race um so that yeah that could be the key race it might be worth sort of you know perming those three really as well you know, just, just getting them to sort of um do what they did last time out and um David O'Mara's love interest you can back all of O'Mara's and Royal Ascot runners over the years and make a profit he hasn't got the great strike rate but he had loads place at big prices as well and uh, this one was a disgrace when mid-division in the Sandringham last year and I thought this step back up in trip would suit after three runs over seven furlongs this year that haven't yielded a great amount but those were in group three enlisted company and so um, you know dropping in grade and going up in trip could be the answer to the key to love interest here. 
Okay, 50 to 1 about love interest for David Omar, but a couple of other big price horses with that form line to be focusing in on Belhaven, 25 to 1 as well. So, yeah, and uh, far too shy, 20 to 1, James Spencer, George Margarson, as you flagged up previously too. But you know that there's only one Kenny P though, Andrew. You can't call this race oh, yeah, <laughs> There can only be one, and no, he will make true. precedent. Yes, we'll, he will take we'll precedent. It, we'll call it the Kensington anyway. Palace then, okay? <laughs> give it his proper name right but we are on to the duke of camlow uh the duke okay. of cambridge stakes the group two up next and again phillies to the four here this is in race three uh over a mile at 340 joseph o'brien's philly jumbly heads away as a nine to four favorite but andrew what is the play yeah jumbly um unfortunately the, the four to one um at the start of this week disappeared and is now nine to four but at the risk of sounding like a stuck record another horse who's run a an absolute blinder against the pace bias at the Curra last time out. That was in the Group 2 Lambweight stud stakes. The winner, what a surprise, made all. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Jumbly, too keen hold, held up in midfield, did really well to um, finish just over two lengths back. And uh, I, I thought uh, he was gonna, she was going to take the beating here, I should say. So, yeah, Jumbly, um, strong bet. Okay, strong bet then, Jumbly. Now nine to four. Let's say that price is contracted throughout the week for Joseph O'Brien. Darrell. Yeah, I would. I've got a couple in there that I do like courses, perhaps for the future, perhaps not for this race. Queen Alamato, um, she she's still improving, and um, um I can't say it, okay? <laughs> Gary and Olds. Got. Letting you attempt it, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, she, she was sixth in the guineas. Um, she, I don't think she had, had a new market track and she won that three times, but she was sixth in the guineas, not being far at all. Just that pace at crucial stage, staying on strongly. She's got a lovely flowing stride about her. Yeah, they're on a flat track, she'll be far, far better than, than we've seen so far. But she's been off 416 days, so whether or not this is the day, I don't know. But, um, I came back to Laurel um frankie's on i thought she ran okay in the lock-ins but i thought she was caught wide she had no cover she was pretty keen um there was a moment in the mid part of the race where frankie just um decided to let out the rain just let her sort of do her own thing i've noticed he does that for horses really really keen he he will sort of say okay you do your own thing and we'll have another day sort of thing um and I, I at first when i was watching her i thought she wasn't letting herself down on, on the quicker ground because she was chopping and changing her legs but that's just what she does but she was just too free had no cover on the wide outside and i think she wants to be covered up for as long as possible and pulled out for a for a run it, it, the fact that they threw her into the sun chariot last year um on just our third start suggests they think that you know she's a group one horse and uh i think there's more to come from her she's very very lightly raced as, as we've seen and yeah i think she she could go really well here. i think you can put a line through that locking run and this is obviously a drop back in grade so i'd be keen on our chances around three to one yeah three to one then dropping in grade taking on the same sex and can forgive her for last time out laurel it is in the duke of cambridge takes for daryl now we move on to the feature race on wednesday this is the group one prince of wales estates four four-year-olds and over over 10 furlongs at 420. luxembourg bids to confirm his success which came in really good style to be fair to him at the Curra in the castles gold cup last time out he heads away as a two-to-one market leader but this really is competitive daryl isn't it so who did you side with this is this is really 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 difficult i've got yeah. to be honest um uh 
Luxembourg, I think, has done very, very little wrong. Now, I know he made the run in at the Curra. I know he was favoured by his position, but he, the back form suggests that he's he's as good as that anyway. Um, I just think that good ground and just letting him stride out just really sees the best of him. He was obviously disappointed on his seasonal return at the Curra, but if you go back and watch that, he just got no run at all. And Wayne Lawden was just happy just to sit. It was literally a prep run for the for the for the, um, for, for the Curra race, the Tatsdolls Gold Cup. And he's done very little wrong. He's caught too far back in the arc. On, on deep ground he, he's a horse with plenty of ability and he finds and finds and finds so you, he's the type of horse where if you back him you always want him to be put in the right position rather than having to sort of come from off the pace and try and quicken up because if he's on the pace or towards the front end of, of the pace he's going to just keep finding finding it's down to the likes of bay bridge who couldn't do it at the car to go past him whether or not this track will i know this track does suit front runners but whether or not that a lot of the other jockeys will be aware of that and not let him get off from the front end because there's very little pace in this race. I'm, I'm just very wary that he'll get that scenario again. But I thought my Prospero had more to come. When when my Prospero was a narrow beaten half length third in this race two starts ago last year, he was only having like a six start. The other two, Adair and Baybridge, were having 10, 12 starts, plenty more experience. And just like the way this was quick and twice down the home straight, I actually genuinely think that my Prospero is probably a mile and a half horse, if I'm being completely honest, right? Um, I know I put him up for the lock-ins because I just thought he was the best horse in the race and, and I thought he might get away with it. But it was a decent run there. He stayed on the finish. He's up and trip today. There's definitely more to come. Tom Marquand was reporting to the tote that he was uh, absolutely bouncing out of his skin. I think there's definitely definite improvement to come for him uh, over this trip and over further, over a mile and a half as well. I, I, I just do you know what the one thing that's annoying me i know i'm going on a bit too long here, i'm sorry do you know the one thing that's just annoying me is that if you would have dropped luxembourg into that lock inch, do you think he would have won it oh that is a question and a half oh see i've never been one where i've never been the biggest fan of luxembourg even though he's starting to make me look a bit foolish for that but if he'd been dropped into the lock inch, though i don't know because i just i I just feel that over a mile, Modern Games is so solid. And I know he almost himself was a little bit outpaced and he was probably aided by the fact he wasn't up in the teeth of that strong pace then. But And that might well have suited Luxembourg. But with potential traffic issues, he would manage to find if he was being outpaced. I would probably still have sided with Modern Games, though, to come out on top. OK, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on my Prospero then. OK, I'm going to stick with my Prospero. I've liked him for this race for a while. Um, yeah, my Prospero. Wonderful. And I'm delighted that we got your pictures back. I don't know if anyone else lost you, but I lost you for a few seconds there. So I'm <laughs> pleased that you're back with us anyway. Um, so my Prospero then for Daryl. And sorry to interject that, Andrew, because I'm also with my Prospero here as well, because he is just the horse where I think he's supremely talented and he has all of the size and scope as well. And just to see him over 10 furlongs, talked about this race a few weeks back from an anti-post show um, that I did. And he was the one then that I just wanted to see stepping up trip i thought that the yard had a better miler in their camp anyway we're not going to get to see him at royal ascot this year unfortunately but i'm still happy that they're sticking with my prospero 
over the 10 furlongs here though anyway and yeah he was ever so slightly outpaced then but he was also probably not in the ideal position in the lockage himself though anyway so I think he can be further marked up for that and he's a horse where he just looks as though he's going to make up into being a better four-year-old anyway given the size and scope of him and there really wasn't that much to separate him Baybridge Adaya in the champion stakes last season yet he still remains unexposed over this trip so at the prices for me as well my Prospero I've got to get it right the Shakespeare reference right. <laughs> apparently um with my Prospero so yeah it, it's divided opinion it's weird how racing gets agitated about certain things the racing public but anyway we're both siding with him Andrew um yes yeah, I'm just going to take on the front too I think uh, I'm not convinced by Adair um you know Luxembourg uh, arguably flattered by that front running win at the Curra Baybridge might be able to reverse the form but there's rumours that he won't run unless there's rain so we'll see what ground conditions are like my Prospero going back over um you know Tim Furlong's is going to suit and they're all they were always talking about all last season there's a horse for this year um so I think it'll run a good race and Dubai honor you know again if they do if they water and then get rain on water going you know, I mean, he's run third in the um Hong Kong last time out wasn't he in the cracking race and uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought he's perhaps been a, a little um, neglected in the market, around about 16 to 1. I'm not sure if William, William Haggis is going to run both or not, though, but it would be a surprise to see the yard have the 1-2. But, yeah, I'll, I'll take on the front two. Uh, I'll just side with Bay Bridge uh, over my Prospero, but um, yeah, you, you both make a very strong case for him. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Baybridge does then go for this. But Richard King's taking the ride. We all like to see that though anyway. But whether or not the ground will suit, they, I don't know. They must be tempted now that they lost the other lad to just send him into here anyway. Baybridge. Um, but yeah, but both of us though, Daryl and I, with my Prospero. Now we have the Royal Hunt Cup, which is one of the most competitive contests of the entire season. A heritage handicap for three-year-olds and over over a mile at five o'clock. Seven to one the field here for you, Andrew. Cavalry charge and then some. Please take it away. Yeah, obviously, um, we're going to need to know about the draw and pace scenario, um, you know, close to the time. Perotto was well touted, wasn't he, after leaving Marcus Tregoning, joining Roger Berry, and he was an uh, anti-post plunge for the Victoria Cup, despite despite the trip looking on the short side. Ran well in that, finishing 7th and 22. Left the impression that he'd come on for it. And um, he won the Britannia Stakes, of course, uh, a couple of years ago, and he's going to appreciate going back up to a mile. But his, his price is covered, uh, chances covered in the price is seven to one. Astro King uh, ran well in this race last year, finishing fourth for Sir Michael Stout and uh, um, racing up with a pace which wasn't ideal. He, he was ridden patiently at uh, York on his stable debut behind Croupier, desperately unlucky. Um, Richard Kingsley got on all sorts of trouble as he did on passenger later in the day in the uh, uh the Dante Stakes. Um, so that was Debbie for the Cubans. There could be more to come as hopefully he'll be ridden patiently here as well. So I'd, I'd just go with Astro King, I think. Saga, I touched on earlier, he loves coming second. Um, he'd beaten the head into second at Newmarket last time, beaten the head into second in the Britannia. Um, you know, he's he's one to sort of bank to finish second in your trifectas and um, and, and tricast with anything else to win and finish third. A while run a stormer to finish second in the Lincoln, a bit disappointing in France last time out. Um, he could go well, but he's his prominent style is always a bit of a worry, and he's in the seven furlong handicap as well. Uh, Aryan power for the stout yard, um, hated the ground when fourth at Leicester, better effort last time at Sandown, finishing third, not out of it, around about 33 to one. 
And I'm often interested in uh, Charlie Johnson's outbreak, despite the fact that um, you know his horses tend to race prominently. The Dan was third in the Duke of Cambridge, and also. Uh, ran a good race in the Coronation Stakes, finishing eighth of 17, and uh, wasn't best draw, went fifth at Newbury last time out. I thought Outbreak would have a squeak, but uh, of that lot, I'll go Astro King. Astro King to make it third time lucky then at Royal Attic. God, a couple of years ago, didn't he have just, I mean, he ran a, a blinder, didn't he? Um, two best of his group are getting absolutely smashed by a subsequent group course. Um, but yeah, Astro King then obviously sporting his new colours with his new yard as well to make it third time lucky for Andrew Darrell. Yeah, very, very tricky, of course. I've got a, a small shortlist I'll quickly rattle off. Uh, Intelligent, the first, uh, or not not in not in any particular order, I should say. <laughs> Intelligent, uh -huh. I just think he's a rock solid each way back. I thought he was coming running back into form at Newbury last time, standing on really strongly behind Bear Force One. Uh, obviously, second in this race last year off uh, a pound higher. Like, he's going to be there or thereabouts. This is his absolute bread and butter, these big field handicaps. And don't forget last year's... Um, John Smith's Cup when he was real big for eye catcher pine and Matt as well. He's obviously a subsequent group winner now. Um, he's interesting. I thought Reach for the Moon might be interesting. Uh, I've never really liked this horse, to be honest. But I don't know. Many people haven't. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to say nobody has. <laughs> he's got excuses, though, for his last couple of runs. At Newmarket last time, he was fitting with first time blinkers. He's beaten 37 laps. But again, as I mentioned earlier about Franklin Tory, he just let, let him get on with it. He just pulled his arms out and just faded the time that was the first one after a gelded operation before his gelded operation he ran in cheap pieces in france and heavy ground I, I think you can put a line through that as well and if they i'm hoping that they're going to take the headgear off here and just leave him alone because i think he's i think he could genuinely be the group horse in a handicap here if you go back to his form last year at sandown he was obviously beaten narrowly by my prospero who's running in the in the um, group one at Earlier on the card, he was beaten ahead by Bayside Boy, who has won uh, won last year at Royal Ascot, obviously in the Group One. Um, his form is just very, very strong. He's run at this course uh, second at Point Lonsdale in the in the um, in the Chesham Stakes, which is obviously not too bad of a form. Um, he's running there off 108, but in these type of handicaps, I'm not I'm not overly worried really about carrying top weight or not. He's a horse that's going to be ridden prominently. If he's drawn well, I think he'll put in a good shift. Um, he's about 16 to 1, so I, I do like the chances for him. Uh, Dawn of Liberation is a pain in the ass, but <laughs> he did catch the eye at Chester running on strong. He was completely outpaced around the tight bends there. And he finished very, very well. I don't think this horse has had ideal conditions for a long, long time. I don't think he likes Newmarket. I don't think he handles the undulations. I know he ran a good race there um, in his two-year-old career, but I, I, he's just a big lump of a horse, and I just don't think he handles the undulations. He looks all over it, all at sea to me. So I'd probably strike off any of his runs at Newmarket with, with undulating tracks. He ran well in Lister Company um, behind Ever Given at Epsom last June. He was rated 107 there. He's down to 98. But I genuinely think this horse just wants a flat track and a stiff mile. And just like keep it very simple with him. I think he's talented. Um, and four-year-olds got a great record in this race. So a massive price. I, I wouldn't write him off. So those would be my my couple against the against the field. Symbol of light worth a good mention for Judy Camacho, who's having a good season. First time for a big dot, been off 510 days, former dolphin inmate, but looked pretty progressive when we last saw him. Um, may well just need to run to reasonably 66 to one. But yeah, uh, obviously the draw pace map everything needs to be sort of sussed for this race for us to make an informed decision 
yeah, like I say, there are plenty enough names to be chucking into the mix anyway before we get those finer details nearing the time when we do get the declarations with the draw then as well, because we do like to know that for the Royal Hunt Cup, it is pretty helpful. So, but there are a few horses to watch out for, for now at least anyway, and well, at I, least at prices as well. well okay, can I just mention something? Um, Saga, yeah. uh, just obviously because we haven't got like, we don't we haven't seen draw all the headgear or anything like that or what, what, all the other nonsense. Saga's two best performances have come in first time blinkers and first time cheap pieces. It just, I just, I know he's going to be popular if like Frankie's on him for this. So I just, I will just bear that in mind. Like Andrew said, he, he likes to finish second, and uh, those have been his two best performances, really. When he's when he's been fitted with that headgear, so will it work again? Would have to be a question to ask before you start backing him up five to one when he's been hammered in the market. Yeah, I thought you were going to make the point there, so we're going to have to go up another headgear to side with him. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a big night horse night horse hood all over his neck. Uh, it's the only way we can go up from blinkers now for him. But yeah, do bear that in mind that he is the queen likes owning quirky horses, doesn't she? I mean, Saga she didn't actually breed to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> reach for the moon, though she actually cred. But uh, yeah, do you, um, sorry, His Majesty the King now. Yeah, likes the, well, they all like uh, their quirky horses, apparently. And talking of the Queen, we have the Queen's Vars up now, the group two for the three rods over a mile six at 5.35. Not a race I was overly drawn to, but I will be more so if you have any stronger convictions in it, Daryl. Yeah, I was just going to ask, do you know anything about this um, Wathnan racing? Because they can go around buying all these horses, aren't mm. they? Yeah, I don't I don't know anything about them because of course they've got Isaac Shelby now, haven't they? And they've given um they've given sure poor Sean Levy the boot and they've got William Buick on him. Uh but no, I don't really know anything else. But like you say, they they've been busy buying. Yeah, they've got this Gregory as well. He's, he's mm. look very, very smart indeed. And he can take a while to beat him in this. Um if I would be with him, but he's obviously well found in the market at five to two. Look, if Castle Way runs in here, I'd be very interested interested in him. I think he, I think they thought of him as their Derby horse, but when they sent him to Epsom last year in a World Cup, he, he just didn't handle the track at all. But I thought he was um, really impressive on his seasonal turn, beating Circle of Fire uh, at Newmarket. I, I was a bit frustrated because I tipped Circle of Fire that day, and I was, and I did the write up in the. Uh, just writ about the two horses and said it's going to be between these two, and I got uh, and I got it the wrong way round. But Circle of Fire has done nothing to um, let down the form at all, and and Castle Way is a horse definitely going places. So I think he's very talented. I'd be interested in him, him if he comes in there, and if he's anywhere near nine to one, I'd be backing him. Uh, Gregory's obviously a very interesting one as well. Yeah, yeah, Gregory, interesting at five to two heading the way, but Castle Way, then nine to one currently. The price about him, the last well, he's bidding for a hat trick actually, isn't he? For Charlie Appleby, um, yeah, Wathnan Racing Qatari backed. Um, they are quite a new enterprise, it says newly formed in back in October. It said that they were newly formed, so yeah, pretty new operation, clearly lots of money, uh, and one winners, <laughs> so fair enough, fair play to them. We, we, we welcome it, lots of money, um, Andrew. Yeah, you've got to respect anything Charlie Appleby or Aidan O'Brien run, but I'll, I'll go with St. George for Andrew Balding. Um, clocked a good time when winning a handicap over the St. Ledger course and distance last time out. Racing post ratings are progressive, 67, 71, 87 and 97 for that latest effort. And, um, you yeah, know, I, uh, I thought he could run a good race here, 14 to 1. 
14 to 1. And okay, nice prices to be going to Aura in the Queen's Vase. And our final race on day two is the listed Windsor Castle Stakes for two year olds over five furlongs at 610. Loads of unknowns and unexposed types in this listed five furlong contest with the two year olds. So, Andrew, do you have a bet in the race? No. Okay, that was nicely, succinctly summed up. Thank you. Daryl. Um, <laughs> just to say that uh, Barnwell boy did a, did a, another really really good time when he won a good with like really good. Um, I'd be surprised if he's beaten if he repeats that. But uh, again, race full of unknowns, unknown draw, unknown ground, unknown headgear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> add the headgear into that for the unknowns for plenty. Yeah, um, yeah, like I say, loads of unknowns. Windsor Castle is always tricky at the best of the times. Right, your naps then, please, Daryl. I'll go back to you then oh. for your nap of day two. Oh, you've caught me out. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right, we're on to four. Four. We're nearly, we're nearly in a line now. If we get the fifth one up, then someone will shout out bingo. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, then your nap, please. I'll, I'll get I'll go, uh, some more time. Jumbly in the three forty, the um, the DOC or the uh, the Duke of Cambridge, as it's known. The DOC, <laughs> so modern. Uh, Darrow, you probably got it. Now. Has Andrew stolen what could have been your nap? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll tell you what. I was going to go for uh, for beautiful dying, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go if Mukadama. I'm still going to back before anyone gets my case. I'm still going to back one morning as well, but I think. Mukadama at 25 to 1. If she runs in the uh Kensington Palace, I think that's a huge price. So I'll go for Mukadama. Okay, and I'm gonna go my Prospero then in the really tricky Prince of Wales is at 420. That is everything from us from day two of Royal Ascot. Stay tuned for day three.